so you should have what we did last time and then blanks for where we need to finish. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, just out of curiosity, how many of y'all remembered and brought your notes from way back then? All right, y'all get a star. All right, we'll put a, we'll put a smiley face on y'all's notes. Amen. Uh, and if we are at a wrong spot, then it's Buchanan's fault because this one told me where we was at, all right? Uh, so I was going to go back and watch the whole thing again just to refresh my mind, but we didn't do that anyway. We, we are here tonight. If you're here for the very first time, uh, we are glad that you're here on Bible study. Say amen, church. Uh, what we do, we try to take a book of the Bible and we take it and we break it down verse by verse, study it as we go. Uh, just do our best to rightly divide the word of truth. What are we doing? We're studying to show ourselves approved unto God. Why? A workman needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, the only way that we're going to grow in Christ is to know his word. Amen? So that's what we try to do on Wednesday night. Now, last time we dove into this particular chapter, uh, we started with this subject, uh, wars, fightings, squabblings. Uh, what, what is going on in our lives when there seems to be conflict all the time? When there seems to be conflict in the home? When there seems to be a constant conflict in the church? When there seems to be a constant conflict at work? Uh, sometimes uh, we think that it's the whole world that's broke, not us. Are y'all with me? But if, if we are in constant conflict everywhere we go, we might need to stop and quit blaming everybody else and look in the mirror, amen? Well, they were dealing with conflict. They were dealing with fighting and wars, and, and James was trying to deal with this topic. So let's look in James chapter number 4 and verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. From whence come wars and fightings among you? And at first, the, the chapter starts out with a question. Uh, we're going to teach this lesson starting it with a question. Where do these things come from? Where do the fightings come from? Where do the, where do the fights? I, I know we have our preconceived ideas. We know that uh, sometimes we think everybody else is crazy. And everybody else is wrong. Okay, all right. Uh, we, we all have what we think it is, okay? Uh, where do these fights come from? Where do these wars come from? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members. Now, there's one thing about counseling that nobody likes. Nobody likes counseling to come home to them. Most people like to go to the counselor and vent for about 25 minutes and tell and let the counselor tell them why they're right about everything they just said. But I have found out this. Most of the time in counseling, uh, when, when I'm at a counselor, uh, somewhere or another, it's going to fall right back into my lap. And that's what he's doing here. He said, let's really talk about this. Let's be honest about this. Let's, let's, let's really see where this is coming from. He said, it's coming from inside of you. Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members. Now the word lust there, you know, you, you, most of the time when this word's used, it's used in, a, in a, a derogatory term as far as like sexual lust. I'm lusting after another woman or, or she's lusting after another man. The word means desire. It means a want, an appetite, if you will. If that makes sense, say amen. The desires inside of you, the wants inside of you, the discontentment inside of you. Ye lust, ye want, and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And then when you do ask, 
ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace. Amen. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Read this with me, everybody, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Say it again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Lord, thank you for your blessings and all those that are here to study your word. God, I praise your holy name. Give us what we stand in need of. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding to your word. Help us to glean from it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We learned uh, several weeks ago when we began this study, we, we learned about wars and what kind of wars there are. Uh, we talked about marriage wars. We talked about uh, relationship wars. We talked about uh, wars between partnerships and, 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 and friendships. And, and you can include wars between nations and people and, and cities. And, and I mean, the list goes on and on. All through James, we talked about some specific ones, class wars, war between the rich and the poor. Uh, we talked about employment wars between uh, those who were servants to those who were masters. And, and then we talked about church wars. He said, where comes wars and fightings among you? And he's talking about church people. He's talking about brethren. Uh, how many of y'all know just because you go to church or you're at church, that doesn't mean uh, that everybody's perfect. Uh, there are some of the biggest squabbles in the world happen inside the church doors. Uh, listen, uh, from the beginning of time, the, the Corinthians, man, they were fighting and squabbling and, and suing each other, taking each other to court. Uh, so, from, so from way back then to right now, uh, people have a problem getting along. Are, are we saying amen right there? Uh, we just have that issue. We have struggles. We have problems in that way. So he says, you have fightings among you. You have squabbles among you. Uh, and, then, and then we talked about personal wars and, and, and fighting. And, 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 and then it says in, in, the, in the second verse, or actually uh, at the, in the middle of the first verse, from whence come wars among you and fightings among you. That's, that's where we talked about all the different kinds. Then it says, even of your lust that war in your members. So he said there's war on the outside. There's war with those around us. We can't get along. There's always conflict. There's always something going on. There's always drama going on. If you don't believe that, sign up for Facebook. <laughs> Say amen. amen. Always something going on. But then he says this. This is what this is what's so amazing. This is what really should open our eyes and make us say, mm-hmm. Uh, if there is war on the outside, if there is drama always surrounding us, then he's saying, listen, it's coming from the inside. 
He said the wars on the outside, the wars among you, they're coming from the war that's going on inside of you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we know that there's not only wars on the outside, but there's wars with ourselves. There is a fight within ourselves. There is a struggle within ourselves. When we were saved, listen, but before we got saved, we didn't care about anything. We did what we wanted to do. We lived like we wanted to live. We behaved like we wanted to behave. We, we acted according to the old nature. But the moment we got saved, the moment that we trusted in Christ, the moment we began our walk with the Lord and we, we stepped out in faith and we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave us a new nature. Say amen. The Holy Spirit came to dwell in our hearts and in our lives, and we, were, we became partakers of the new nature. So now, after we are saved, we have the flesh that we have to deal with, and we have the spirit that we deal with. We have the old man and the new man, and both of them are at war. Both of them are at, at war all the time. The flesh wants to take you. Now, usually when we say the word flesh, automatically we think the physical body. That's not, that's not true. The physical body is not evil and it's not good. It's, it's neutral. The physical body can be used for one way or the other. Now, our old nature, the flesh, wants to take our physical body and do wicked with it and do evil with it and commit sin with it. But the Spirit wants to take our body and help others. The Spirit wants us to take our body and use our mouth as a mouthpiece to proclaim the gospel and to witness to the lost and to witness to those who don't know Jesus. So, so here, here we got the Spirit on one side, our new man on one side saying, let's do for God, let's submit to God, let's serve God. But then we got the flesh over here saying, do wickedly, lust after one another, uh, commit adultery, commit murder. Are y'all with me? So now we're fighting. Inside we're fighting. We're fighting on the outside because we're fighting on the inside. Look what he says. This is, this is, this is so eye-opening when, really, when you really see the, the truth of it. He says, you have, you have a war on the outside because there's a war on the inside. Verse 2. Watch what, watch what happens. Ye lust. Ye won't. You won't. You, you have an appetite. You have a strong desire. You have a want, and verse 2, ye lust and, and have not. You want it so bad, but you don't have it. So since you don't have it, look what it says, ye, ye kill. Now, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think, he's speaking to brethren here, he's speaking to church people, so I don't think they're stabbing each other in the church house. Are y'all with me? But I believe it's the, it's the mentality that he's trying to teach. Now, I believe that you can apply this. Uh, why do people, what do we do when this nation goes to war with this nation? This nation wants what this nation has, so this nation kills people. Are y'all with me? To take, all right? But let's, let's apply that. We want something, but we don't have it or can't have it, so we try to take it by force. Now, now let's, let's, let's be practical about this. You say, how do we do that? Preacher, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hold nobody up. We're not going to rob somebody. But let me ask you a question. Have you tried to get something and do it your own way? Or, or let me say this. Have you tried to get something 
and it really didn't work out that you could have it, but you wanted it so bad you tried to force the issue. Let me illustrate. Creative financing. All right, let me translate that. Buying something you really can't afford, and, and, and you, you, you really shouldn't be getting it, and, and there really isn't a way, but some loan shark gave you an interest rate that skyrocketed, so now you got it, you for, you's going to get it regardless. Now is this making sense? We want it so bad. We desire it. It, it, it. Listen, this doesn't necessarily mean a car or a house. This could be a person. We, we, we want this girlfriend or we want this boyfriend so bad, we do unethical things to get it. He's saying we force the issue. We, we just you kill. And, and then the sad part is, the sad part is, watch what it says next. You kill and desire to have and cannot. What is that? You know what that means? Let me. <laughs> you go and you go way into debt, do something you can't afford to do. And now you drive down the road in your new vehicle with the new car smell and can't enjoy it. Because the satisfaction you thought you were going to have by getting it is not there. He said you go to extreme measures to get things. You kill and you want to have and you take it by force. But then when you got it, you realize there's no satisfaction in it. Solomon said it better than anybody. Solomon was, was living a life that was contrary to God's word. And, and he started off great. He started off wise. He started off with a supernatural wisdom. But, but, but he got led astray. Uh, he, he did some things God told him not to do. And, 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 and needless to say, he listened to the wrong people. And, and, and he strayed away from God, so he decided he was going to find joy and happiness without God. It's the whole book of Ecclesiastes. If you study the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find out this is a journey. This is a search. This is, this is, a, man, this is a man seeking satisfaction. You know what that word cannot, cannot obtain right there means? Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. You get it. You partake of it, but you're still not happy. No satisfaction. Solomon said, I'm tired of this. I'm going to follow. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to buy what I want to buy. I'm going to build what I want to build. If there is to do, I'm going to do it. Wine, women, and song. Study it. Look at Ecclesiastes. Matter of fact, he even said this. He said, if my eye saw it, I did not hold nothing back. Period. Now watch this. God allowed him to, according to the book, God allowed him to retain his wisdom. In other words, he still had a supernatural power when it came to understanding things and having knowledge. So God allowed one human being to have all the knowledge there was to have that, that could be had on this earth. All the power that a man could have. All the wealth that a man could have. His wealth was untold. There was no way to measure it. And he allowed, uh, think about this, he allowed one human being to have everything this world had to offer. Whether it was wisdom, whether it was knowledge, whether it was money, whether it was power, whether it was material things. 
whether it was pleasure, any kind of pleasure this world had to offer. When he was all through, he was all finished with his search. When he did everything there was to do, when he saw everything there was to see, when he, when he, when he had purchased everything there was to purchase, when he built all that there was to build, when he experienced it all, this was his conclusion. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. And the word vanity means empty. I bought it and I thought it was going to make me happy, yet I'm still not satisfied. Oh, if I could just have her as a, as a girlfriend or a wife, or if I could just have him as a husband or a boyfriend, if I could just have, and then, and then you date her, then you have, oh, and, and, and there's a conquering experience of men with, with women or women with men, and, and then when you finally get that person, and then vanity, vanity. Oh, if I could just drive that car, oh, if we could just ride around in that, if that could be our chariot, say amen. And then here we get two months down. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That thing's fun while it's still smelling new. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be all super spiritual. I, them things, I love things that go vroom, vroom, say amen. But what happens? We get so caught up with having something and wanting something, desiring it so bad, and then we get it, we finally got it, and we think, oh, I'm going to finally be happy, and here we are two months down the road and realize, i got to pay for this thing. <laughs> and then it don't smell as good. It don't even ride as good. And I'm stuck with it. Does this make sense? You kill, you won't. You want it so bad. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I know this is, this is, I'm preaching to me if I'm not preaching to anybody. Sometimes, isn't, isn't it, it, you can want something so bad it hurts. And then get it and think, is this all there was? Because, see, it's the devil's job. I know I keep moving this thing that messes with you, but is, is it cool? It sound all right? Okay. It's the devil's job to try to convince you that happiness and joy is found in stuff or people or issues or, or, or whatever. You see, Solomon, uh, the, the term in Ecclesiastes is used is under the sun. That means without God. I'm, I'm going to find joy without God. I'm going to find peace without God. I'm going to find satisfaction without God. That's what the devil wants you to think. And then you'll find out when you, when you have all that, the last thing you have is satisfaction. Isn't it amazing that during the 60s, it was free everything. Free sex, free love, free, free drugs. Let's just, let's just all be free. Let's, let, let's just drop all the inhibitions and all the laws. And let's just do whatever we want, and then we'll be happy. And you know what the number one song of that era was? I can't get no. Now nah, y'all know that. <laughs> Study that song out. Study the writer of that song. Do you know what he said? He said, this was what I felt. 
This was my life. This, is, this song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, is a picture of my life. It's a picture of everything that was me. Even though I had everything that I'm supposed to have to be happy, yet I can't get no satisfaction. You know why? Because we kill and desire to have, but we cannot obtain. Now watch what he says. You fight and you war. You still have not. Why? Because ye you ask not. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, everybody has everybody has wants and desires. I don't care who you are. If you don't, you're dead. You're you you. Everybody has appetites. Everybody has things they desire. Now. So does that make us all wicked and evil? So if we got a desire, we have a want. I would really like a, or I, I would really like to have a better or a bigger or a newer, you know, th- that's not the deal. That's not what he's in reference to. It's when that thing becomes primary. In other words, when nothing is more important than me having that, and, and really it, 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 it stems from one word, selfishness. Probably one of the most dangerous, and there ain't no doubt about it, one, the dangerous thing in, in churches is selfishness. The most dangerous thing in relationships is selfishness. You, could, you can boil it down every divorce. You can somewhere along the line, selfishness calls it. Selfishness. In other words, it's about me. It's not about anybody else. It's all about what I want, I need, I desire, you know, at the cost of everybody else. Now watch what he says. You have not because you ask not. Then you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. I want you to turn with me. I want you to turn with me to 1 John. uh, 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. If it's Bible study, let's let's study a little bit. 1 John chapter number 5. We're going to learn something about prayer. He says, ye have not because you. Now, who do you think he's talking about asking? This is really not complicated. Come on. God. So he's talking about prayer, right? Now, what do you think James is trying to tell us right there? Even before we go on to the next statement, that the things you're desiring which is really satisfaction, happiness, joy. Why do we want stuff? Because we think it's going to make us, right? So that that you're looking for is not going to come from taking it from somebody else. The war, you with me? He said, you got to ask. Who do you have to ask? So where's true happiness going to come from? Where's true satisfaction going to come from? Where's true joy going to come from? Where's true peace going to come from? Not stuff. Not materialistic things. Not money. Not anything. Not anything. Did you hear me? Not anything this world has to offer. Because you can have nothing that this world has to offer and be satisfied. 
and you can have all this world has to offer and have no satisfaction. You have not because you... So we know the source is God, right? So, so watch this, watch this, watch this. And then, when you do ask, say you do get a little spiritual, and you think, I can't get it from him or her or that or this, I'm going to just ask God for it. I'm going to ask God for it. So I ask God for it, and guess what? I still don't get it. Why? Why? How many of y'all believe that God answers prayer? How many of y'all believe they some he hadn't? Well, we could, let's, let's say, well, we could always say, well, he did. He just said no. <laughs> okay. But let's just put it to this, that there's been times we asked and we didn't get it. Now, why? Why? There's too many, there's too many people that are being too, taught too many wrong things when it comes to this, this particular topic. Because you will, you will see, how many of y'all have ever heard this? How many of y'all have ever heard this? The reason you didn't get what you asked for is because you didn't have faith. How many of y'all have heard that? Raise your hand. You know, that's, that's crazy. How many of y'all believe, how many of y'all believe that, that, that Paul was a man that was right with God and had faith? You know what he asked for? God, take this thorn from my side. You know what he got? No. He had plenty of faith. He probably had more faith than anybody in this building, especially the one on the platform. How many of y'all believe Jesus was tight with his father? Guess what? He didn't get what he asked for neither. Three times in the garden, he prayed to the point that his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he said, Father, I know that all things are possible with thee. Let this cup pass from me. Three times. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Y'all with me? So how come when we do pray and we, we try real hard to believe that we don't get it? He said, you ask amiss. You ask amiss simply to fulfill your own lust. In other words, simply to fulfill your own selfishness. It wasn't for the good of mankind. It wasn't the good for whoever. It probably wasn't even the good of, for your own goodness sake. You just wanted it. So you asked because you wanted it so bad. Now watch. Watch what it says in 1 John chapter number 5 and verse... Verse 14, verse 14. Are you there? Say amen. And this is the confidence. We can, in other words, we can have real confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his then he, he heareth us. Watch. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You see, a lot of these real super spiritual people says that you just got to believe. If you just believe, you can believe. But no matter what you pray for, if you believe it, it'll happen. No. You can believe all you want to that you're going to be tall, dark, and handsome. If you short, dumpy, and ugly, you're going to be short, dumpy, and ugly when you get through praying. Say amen. 
Y'all with me? I'm being a little facetious, but I'm trying to make a point. How many times do we ask God for something just because we simply want it? It's not going to better the kingdom. It's not going to bring glory to God. It's not going to benefit anything but ourselves. And God says, really? Really? Now, let me say this. Let me say this. I don't want nobody to leave it here and say, I, I don't need to ever pray for something I want because I, I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that's what he's teaching us here. Because I do believe the Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of your heart. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that. Now, here's the thing that's the key, that God will put those desires in us. Now, should we ask for what we want? Sure. But what's the most important part of that prayer? Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Lord, what is your will? What is your will for my life? What is, what is your will for what you want me to ask for? How many of y'all believe? How many of y'all believe if we know God wants us to have something, that we, that'll give us more confidence than when we ask for? Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing. All right, he says, he says, we get selfish, we get caught up in our own selfishness, and that causes problems. Not just on the inside, there's a struggle, there's a, there's a discontent on the inside. There, and I tell you what, there's nothing, there's nothing more miserable than being unsatisfied. There's nothing more miserable. Uh, are are y'all with me, people that like food? How, ma- how many of y'all would agree that when you go and you pay for something, especially you paid a lot for it, and, and, and you're still hungry when you leave? Say amen. There's nothing worse going to a nice restaurant and then having to go to McDonald's afterwards. I need a witness right there. <laughs> Unsatisfied. Where they give you just enough food where you're still hungry. And I, I'm being facetious with that, but, but how, how many of you, you know, it's, it's, real, it's real discouraging to always want something else. How many marriages are destroyed because we're always wanting something else? She can't never do enough. He can't never do enough. And we think it's because she's broke or he's broke. And the whole problem is, is we're trying to fulfill something that only God can. So it causes a war. Now, watch. Watch. He says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Look, look, what, look what selfishness will do. Look, under, look on page number three. Look on page number three under the conclusion. Selfish desires are dangerous. Why? Well, number one, they lead to wrong actions. They said you kill and desire to have. You know, you, you, in other words, you take wrong actions to get what you're wanting or to try to, try to force the issue. Now, how many of y'all would admit sometimes selfishness has caused us to do stupid things? Let's all just be honest with God. Amen. They lead to wrong actions. They even lead to wrong praying. We'll start asking God for stuff we shouldn't even be asking for. When our praying is wrong, our whole Christian life is wrong. Selfish living and selfish praying always leads to what? War. You can believe if there's arguments in the home... If there's a husband and wife that's not getting along, somewhere in that whole scenario, you'll find this right here. Somewhere. 
Uh, if there is war on the inside, there will ultimately be war on the outside. People who are at war with themselves because of selfish desires are always unhappy people. They never enjoy life. Now, I underline this part right here. Here's what I want you to underline. You say, why are they always unhappy? Why can't they not enjoy life? Underline this part right here. Instead of being thankful for the blessings they do have, they complain about the blessings they do not have. I w <laughs> Don't you hate when God convicts you? I know y'all are spiritual, and that don't ever bother y'all. I was washing my hands today in cold water because the designers of the new building put in water heaters that's that just go through and is supposed to heat it up and all this kind of stuff. That that that. That's a lie. <laughs> Before this year's out, there will be a trip to Lowe's, and there will be a regular hot water heater in the back. Say amen right there. <laughs> now, I'm sitting there, and I'm washing my hands in this cold water, and all I'm thinking about, doggone it, pay all this money for a new building, can't even have hot water. Man, what's wrong with this thing? I'm, and I'm just, just in my head, I'm doing everything but cussing. Everything but it. I, I was mad at the architect. I was mad at who drawed the plans. I was mad at the plumbers. I was mad at the foreman for letting the plumbers put the stupid thing in. Say amen. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the image of a little baby in a dump being carried out of a dump by Brother Travis to the hospital because it has pneumonia. And, and God said, and you got a problem? Oh, man. God is ruining everything. <laughs> I was having fun in my molly grub. Here I am worrying about cold water. When somebody's about to die, eating garbage out of a dump. Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Sometimes the devil gets us to focus so much on what we perceive that we don't have. We can't even enjoy the fact that I've got running water. You know, let me tell you who the most unhappy people in this world are. The people that are never satisfied. They're never satisfied with their marriage. They're never satisfied with their life. They're never satisfied with their job. They're never satisfied with their status in life. They're never satisfied with their bank account. Because they're always thinking... If I just had, and not necessarily more, if I just had something else, if I just had her, if I just had him, or if I just had that, or if I, if I had those kids instead of them crazy ones God gave me. 
Y'all, 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 listen, tonight y'all might as well grab them halos and put them in your pocket because nobody believes it. Let's just get real tonight. Is God not parking in all of our driveways tonight? It's never happy. Never satisfied. Listen. Instead of being thankful for the blessings they do have, they complain always about the blessings they don't have. They cannot, and, and see, this is the worst part. They cannot get along with other people because they're always envying others for what they have. Y'all want me to move along? Y'all want me to talk about that? Mm. You see, the problem is the direction of our looking. If we would stop looking horizontal and start looking vertical. I wonder how many marriages could be saved if he or she could just understand that that other person can never satisfy them. It's going to come from... If, if there is a sense of unsatisfaction, the first place we need to look is toward God. Why? Because God can give satisfaction in the midst of a desert. God can take a little lad's lunch and feed thousands in the middle of nowhere. So in the middle of your desert of unsatisfaction, God can provide satisfaction. Are y'all with me? Most unhappy people. You say I'm unhappy because I'm unsatisfied. No, not necessarily. Listen. Where does the source come from? You have not because you. And who do we ask? God. God. Sometimes we use prayer as a cloak to hide our true desires. I prayed about it, preacher. Yeah, but when you pray, did you pray for God's will? Or did you just tell God what you want him to do? Instead of seeking God's will, we tell God what he is supposed to do, and then we get angry at him if he does not obey. I don't know about y'all, but that one got me. I've done that before. I, I blame God, you know, I didn't understand what he was doing when when he told me to resign the church in South Carolina. People getting saved right and left. Baptized a ton of people the last day I was there. Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. But guess what? This would have never been here. If God hadn't have done that. And if that wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. Now, I, I, I can't, I wish I could tell you that every time that, that I had an unanswered prayer, that I was happy about it. Because I'd be lying. Because there's been times I asked and, and I didn't get no answer. I, I got an answer. He said no. But, 
Y'all you understand what I'm trying to say? The answer, let me put it this way. The answer was not what I wanted. I, I that's too personal. We'll move right along. Uh, are you mad at God? This anger at God eventually spills over and we get angry at God's people. More than one church split has been caused by saints who take out their frustrations with God on, on the members of the church. How many, how many of y'all, let's just, let's just get straight up tonight. How many of y'all be honest right now and admit, you know, there's been times in your life that God turned right when you thought he was going to turn left and we wasn't real happy about it. Let's be honest. So we all know we're in good company. Amen. He said, you have not because you ask amiss. Simply, simply because you want to consume it upon your own desires. Then he, then he says something that's, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, I mean, verse 4. Now, he's, remember, he's talking, he's talking to the brethren. He's talking to saved people. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's pretty tight language. Would you say amen? Now, he's talking to the bride of Christ. And he's using terminology. What is an adulterer and adulteress? One that cheats on their spouse. One who is not faithful to the one they're married to. He's saying, you're not being faithful. You're not being faithful. He says, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now here's, this brings up point three. We said there was a war on the outside. We have war around us. We have war among us with those that we're, we're struggling with, uh, we're fighting with, we're arguing with, whatever. Uh, but all of that war on the outside is because there's a war on the inside. But, but, where does the war on the inside come from? Where does the selfishness come from? We know selfishness is sin, so what is the root of that? We know the essence of sin is selfishness, but what is the root the root is rebellion. The root is rebellion against God. You see, you see, Eve, uh, uh, she had everything. But she wanted what she didn't have. She was selfish. She said, I want to be like God because Satan deceived her and said, you're just going to be like God. So because of her selfishness, it caused her to what? Be disobedient. She rebelled against the command of God. Now we go from a, a war on the outside to a war on the inside, and there's a war on the inside because there is a war with God. Now you say, how in the world can a Christian be at war with God? Well, we can cozy up. We can cozy up and be friendly and fraternize with three different areas. Number one, or A, the world. Write that down. We can cozy up to the world. He says... You're, you're, being, you're being a friend of the world. Now, this doesn't mean you can't be friend of lost people. That's not what he's saying here. How many of y'all know what I mean when I say the world? This is the culture out there ap apart from God. You know, you talk about the old time, when I grew up, uh, old time preachers talk about being worldly or looking worldly or talking worldly. What does that mean? Talking like them. Talking like unchurched people. Talking like unsaved people. Acting like unconverted people. 
uh, doing things that are not biblical. Are y'all with me? The culture outside that's there, it's very anti-God, it's very anti-Christ. Goes against everything that is biblical, everything that is godly, and he says, don't cozy up to the world. Don't get out there. Listen, you should not feel at home in the world. When people are cussing and raising cane around you, you should feel very uncomfortable. When you're in an ungodly environment, you should feel like a fish out of water. I remember the first time I went to a party, a show enough party. Y'all with me? I mean, I'm talking about a party like you mean party. Are y'all with me? I ain't talking about them caps and, and cake. And I'm talking about, and, and I was 18 years old before that ever happened. It was at, right after we graduated. I'm, I'm thinking, if I remember right, it was on graduation night. We all went out, wanted to go out. You know, here I am. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a man now. I'm on my own and all this kind of stuff. And, and they said, hey, there's a party over so-and-so. I thought, hmm. Because you got to understand, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm not only saved, I'm called to preach. I was called to preach when I was 17 years old. I started preaching when I was still in high school. But hey. I'm, I'm graduated. I'm going to a party. Never been to one. About time to go. Say amen. <laughs> How many of y'all know good Christians can do stupid things? I remember rolling up to that place. I remember to, I mean, I got this image in my head and, 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 and I'm walking up with three or four of my friends and, I mean, you're pulling up in the cart and you can hear the booming before you even get there. I mean, this place was thumping. Are y'all with me? I remember walking by and, and, and walking, and the whole time, the whole time, the Holy Spirit saying, where are you going? Just what do you think you're doing? I mean, the whole time, and I'm still a-going. And we get in there, and I remember, I remember sitting in this house. I remember these guys over here shooting pool. There's guys in the, in, 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 in the kitchen, and there's people all around. They're walking around with their, their alcohol in their cups and doing all this stuff. And I'm sitting here, and I'm almost about to vomit. I'm talking about I'm just about to, about, about, I'm, I'm thinking I made it about four and a half minutes. And I told my friends, I said, boys, I got to go. You know why? I feel like a fish out of water. I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. You know why? That's not who I am. That is of the world. I can't act like that. I can't talk like that. I can't, I can't behave in that manner. Listen, he's saying when you cozy up to the world, and, and by the way, by the way, you can get out in the world. You can be saved. You can be a child of God. You can be blood-bought, blood-washed, a saint. Listen, a child of God, your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and end up back in the world. How do you do that? How do you, give me a Bible illustration. I don't believe that. Well, how about Lot? How about Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah is the type of the world. Let's talk about this a minute. Y'all got a minute? That's about all I got. Amen. Actually, 11 minutes. Let's talk about this. Abraham is called the friend of God, right? Abraham is a friend of God. He, we have Abraham and Lot. Both of these, both of these individuals have an upbringing. And, and before you get all sideways and talk about Lot was lost, the Bible said Lot was a righteous man. He vexed his righteous soul watching the wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Y'all with me? So here we have Abraham. He's a type of the spiritual Christian. Lot is a type of the carnal Christian. They have a, they have a problem. They have issues because their, 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 their uh, cattle has just grown immensely. Uh, Lot's cattle has grown immensely. They can't get along. There's just too much, too many of them. Well, before I get there, before I get to that part, I want to warn you parents. Before this ever took place, Abraham was called to go to a place God told him to go. Y'all with me? Well, in the midst of that, he gets, to, he gets to Canaan, he gets to the promised land, and there's a famine there. And because there's a famine there, he goes down to Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always a type of the world. It's always a type of the world. Y'all with me? Y'all still with me? Come on. Listen, he goes down to Egypt, gets in trouble. God gets him back out of there. And, and now watch this. Now here we find, here we find in the book of Genesis, Lot and Abraham coming out of Egypt. And it says that. Abraham comes out, he's bringing Lot with him. They bring their riches, they bring their cattle, they bring all this stuff. They come out of Egypt, they come out of the, come on, they come out of the world. All right? Now, now they have a squabble. Now they have an issue. They got too much stuff. And Abraham says, listen, man. He said, I, I'm, I'm going to step back. I'm going to step back. You pick, you pick whichever direction you want to go, and I'll go the other way. I'll go the other way. We got we to separate. Got too much stuff going on. I'll let you take the first pick. Remember, Abraham's friend of God. The Bible says that. Abraham is a type of the spiritual Christian. The spiritual Christian. Lot is a type of the carnal Christian. Well, the Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan, which was right there by Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all with me? And this is what it says. This is, this is amazing. This is what it says. It says that they look like the land of Egypt. What is, what's the point? Parent, be careful playing around in the world. Because you may come out of it. You see, Abraham brought Lot out of the world. He brought Lot out of Egypt, but he could never get Egypt out of Lot. Why did, why, did, why did Lot pick those planes? Why did Lot pick the way he picked? Because it reminded him of Egypt. And see, you may, you may dabble and play around in the world. You may mess around and you may flirt with the world. and You may get out of church and, just, and they think it's not that big a deal and think out here in the world is more important and all this kind of stuff. And you may come back and get right with God, but you may lose your child in the process. Now watch, watch. Lot, type of carnal Christian, unspiritual, fleshly, Abraham the type of friend of God, spiritual. Watch how this happens. First, he just looked that way. Be, be careful what you let your eyes focus on. He wasn't in the world. He wasn't in Sodom. He was just looking that way. Hey, before, before David ever touched Bathsheba's body, he was. He lifted up his eyes and he saw it. He said, I want that. So he goes and the Bible says that he pitched his tent outside. 
but it was towards. In other words, he wasn't in, but he sure was close. What does that mean? That means this. A lot of Christians, they don't want to be in the darkness. They just don't mind a stroll in the shade. Y'all with me? This is, this is. But before long, he was not, he was not just close to the city. He was in the city. And then before long, he was not just in the city. He was a leader in the city. And watch this. This is amazing. In the midst of all his drifting, there broke out a war. He found himself in the middle of a... What, what are we reading? Whence come wars among you? They'll come when we get worldly. Y'all with me? And then Abraham, the spiritual one, had to come rescue him. And then you'd think he'd learned, but then he went right back. You know what he ended up with? You know what he ended up with? Because God destroyed everything in Sodom, everything in Gomorrah. He lost his wife. He lost some of his children. And then his two daughters that he did have were so warped and, and corrupted in their mind, they committed incest with him. And you know where it started? You know where it started? But I'll even go on to say this. I'll even go on to say this. I'm not going to lay it all on him. I believe it all started when he was checking out Egypt. We can blame it on all on Lot, but it was Abraham that took Lot to Egypt, and it was Egypt that reminded it was it was Egypt that y'all with me. You see, we don't get out in the world overnight. How does it happen? It gives us a James gives us a, a depiction of how this happens. A Christian gets involved in the world gradually. First, there's a friendship of the world. There's a friendship of the world. We're just hanging out. We're not, you know, we're not. We're not, we're not doing anything like that, but we're just, it's okay. It's not that big a deal. We become spotted by the world so that the areas of our life meet the approval of the world. Then, then the, the friendship of the world leads us to loving the world. Loving the world. And then this makes it easy to conform to the world. Romans chapter 12. What does it mean? We get out in this world so much and the culture so much that, that, that we become friendly with it. Uh, how can I describe this? Uh, I, I, here's how I can describe it. If I see a snake, if I see a snake, I'm going to behave very unfriendly. Does that make sense? If I see a snake, I'm going to be very, very unfriendly with that. But what we don't realize, the culture in this, of this world is just like that snake. It's poisonous, and it'll kill you. But we, we start sitting down beside it. We start listening to it. 
we start letting it come into our house through the TV, through the things that we read. It never ceases to amaze me how many Christians I see getting on Facebook defending wickedness. Defending a wicked book. Defending a wicked lifestyle. Defending things that the Bible clearly denounces as wickedness and abomination. But you have Christians that are real friendly with it. So it moves from friendliness to loving it. We'll go from not being... You remember, you remember when, 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 when certain things would cause you to blush? But, but now, don't even blink an eye. You know what's happened? Is the church, God's people have gotten so cozy with the world, stuff don't bother them anymore. So now, so now we've moved from just being friendly with the world to now we kind of like it. We kind of like the atmosphere. We kind of like the behavior. So now we start conforming to it. What's the word? Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what do we say the word conforming means? It means pressed into a mold. Pressed into a mold. What does that mean? They all look alike. So what happens is, is the church begins to look like the... And, and, and didn't get, did God not say, come out from among them? And be ye, be ye. Why, why, would, why, would, why would this lost world want what some of us Christians have if we look like them? And we act like them. And we talk like them. You mean, you mean tell you, they're, they're, and, it, and, it, and there's, it's, it's so evident in so many areas. One is especially in, 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 in the dress code of, of a lot of Christian ladies. Listen, there's one thing to be attractive, and there's another thing to be provocative. And, that, and we have ladies wearing stuff that you would be stoned for. But if you say something against it, well, I think, I, you know what's happened? Your mind has been conformed to the world so we don't think it's that big a deal you say how, how do i know how do i know uh 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 what don't i don't i don't need to i don't need to show you a hymn line i don't need to do that you don't need you don't need to come to me and say was this too short or too low or too whatever here's what i tell you to do get in your closet before you get dressed and say holy spirit Will Jesus be glorified by what I wear today? He says, oh, I tell you what, you're just putting it all on the women. No, I think the men need to say, Holy Spirit, help me keep my eyes where they're supposed to be. Help me glorify God in my actions and my activities and my behavior and my thoughts. It's not all on the ladies. But I promise you this. Anyway. Anyway, let's, let's, let's be different. 
you know what? Nobody should, should have to say, are you a Christian? They should say, you're a Christian, ain't you? I don't want there to be no mistakes about several things in my life. Anywhere I walk, anywhere I go, I don't want there to be no mistake. Number one, that I'm a man. Period. I don't want to look like a woman from the front, the back, the side, or no other way. Say amen. I don't want there to be no mistake whatsoever. That's a dude right there. Amen. And driving down the road and just blowing blonde mane, flying in the wind. I said, that's a pretty lady right there. That's the ugliest man you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Y'all with me? I don't want nobody to mistake the fact that I'm a child of God. In my speech, in my behavior, in my activity, in my dress, in my, in my attitude, and my love for one another. I don't want no mistake about it. So how do we do that? We don't become conformed to the world. We become transformed. How do we do that? Soak ourselves in this. How many of y'all know the more you read this and, and study this and practice this, it'll change the way you think about stuff. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you, you behave. Why, why, did, why was I about to throw up in the middle of that party? Everybody else was doing fine. It was because I done had a lot of this stuck down in the middle of this. And it changed the way I thought about where I was at. Let me say this and we'll, 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 we'll quit. And we, we, you know, we got about as much done as we did last time. We'll, we'll, we'll start there next week. Uh, let's, let's let the world know that we're different. Let's let the world know that we're, we're not being conformed. We're not, we're not going to, listen, we're different. We're different. I, I, I'll say this and we'll, we'll pray. Has anybody, has anybody been to the drive-thru at the McDonald's right down here? Has anybody been through that drive-thru in the McDonald's and that young man, he's got a smile like this right here? Looks like a possum eating glue. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a fact. When When he opened the door, he didn't say a word. You know what I thought? That dude's different. And he said, man, he said, he said, he said, I think it was good morning, good morning, good afternoon. He said, I'm so sorry for your wait. He said, but I hope you have a great day. Smiling like this right here. And the last thing he said, he said, Jesus loves you. I said, he sure does. <laughs> just like that. I mean, it just caught me. So I said, he sure does. And you know, he loves you too. We about had church right there in the drive-thru. <laughs> How many of y'all have met this guy? It's awesome. 
Everybody at Temple, you need to go to McDonald's tomorrow. He don't know if I'm saved or not. But you know what I could tell about him? He is different. Anyway, Lord, let us be like the guy in the drive-thru. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good night, everybody. <laughs>